You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake Chavank here with you guys on this Friday. So, I think there's a lot to talk about uh, this week, right? Obviously, trade deadline's going to come up, so there'll probably be plenty of reaction to that next week and how it affects the draft. But I wanted to start, I think, with, with something that Garrett Stritzel brought this up. Uh, in the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. I think it's a really good thing to just kind of look over right now because obviously Green Bay in a spot where the draft focus is going to be pretty heavy over the next couple months, especially if they don't turn things around in this stretch uh, of three home games uh, in, in four weeks, right? They have the Vikings, the Rams, and then they go to Pittsburgh and they have Chargers at home, and then it's Thanksgiving against the Lions, if they don't, you know, kind of almost right the ship, go three and two in that stretch, and then they're sitting, I believe, then at five and six and like turning, looking maybe potentially in the playoffs, right? They'll have Carolina, Tampa Bay, the Giants, the Bears again, and the Vikings again, right? There's a there's a path there, but there's going to have to be major turnarounds in terms of defensive execution, offensive execution, especially. So right now we're gonna look at the draft and, and what Garrett said to do was why don't you like predict what the first 10 picks might look like uh, next April, which I thought was a great idea. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to I'm gonna reveal the, the top 10 and how it looked based on how I predicted the rest of the season. And what we're going to do is we're going to go over quick uh, a little top 10 prospect kind of look over uh, for those who have been listening since the summer. There's going to be a lot of repeat names uh that's just how it goes we went in depth on a lot of those guys if though for those who didn't catch those episodes on some of the top tackles top corners edge rushers and the quarterbacks especially and then we had a receiver tight end in there who are going to make the list of course it would be a great time to go back and catch those uh they're back in should be in august so it, i know it's 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 a hard it's a more difficult scroll down the feed but I do think it's, you know, it gives you a really in-depth look at them. Garrett wanted to read to reveal my top 10. Here's what I'll say. I'll kind of give an inclination of what it might look like. Big boards drop in next week, November 1st or 2nd. Uh, just depends on when. Maybe we'll do it on Thursday. So that way, I think that'll be the second then and maybe drop a, a mock draft as well. On the Substack. if you don't know where to find that, just go on Twitter and follow me at JakeNFLDraft. The link will be there. Uh, on the profile so that's where those are going to drop we'll obviously be covering that a lot next week uh, probably on the friday show but uh let's get into this and what we're going to do as well as i said right top 10 order top 10 prospects and then we're going to go through two mock draft scenarios that's right two mock draft scenarios of the top 10 just to give an inclination of like two possibilities of how things could look right because the quarterback position is obviously going to be 
a part of a lot of these teams in the top 10. I, I'm not going to lie. I look at all of these teams in the top 10 and I go, yep, they could use a QB. They could use a QB. They could use a QB four, five, six, seven, even eight. Eight of the top 10. Right. And remember, Chicago's got two of those picks. So it's really eight of the nine teams that are in the top 10. Then you go, ah, oh, that might be QB. So that's a lot. That's That's going to create a ton of i think intrigue right with these mocks and and so let's reveal now the top 10 order right we've been we've been dancing around it too long about four minutes to this point but what i will say is this was difficult to go through Uh, i actually went and had to go through it twice uh, unfortunately because uh you know i think i had a certain team get the first overall pick and then i go oh wait a minute and i'm gonna reveal this team now Kyler Murray's coming back. How many wins can he get this Cardinals team? So I went through it and I'm like, oh, shoot. Like they were clearly the number one pick and I didn't think about it otherwise. But if Kyler comes back, does it affect things? Spoiler alert, not a ton, unfortunately. But I'm glad I redid it because I do think this is a little more realistic. There are a couple shuffling teams that I think made it that probably will make it that I didn't have make it otherwise. So that's I, I think this will work out really nicely. So, top 10 order, as of what I predicted uh, the regular season finishing out. The Chicago Bears will have the first overall pick. This pick will be from the Carolina Panthers. The roster struggling. I wouldn't imagine if they if they trade Brian Burns, I wouldn't be surprised. It might not net the two first-rounders that they could have got last year. But they need picks, and they need it bad. Right? They'll be at the top of round two for sure, but they got they got to drastically improve that roster right now. So I, you know, we'll see how that goes uh, for them if they're active at the deadline and try to sell. Chicago at one, thanks to Carolina. We got the Arizona Cardinals at two, so they didn't move a ton. But I do think the Cardinals at two makes more sense because again, I just don't think Carolina is going to be good enough to get themselves out of that that first overall pick. Then the Bears are at three, so the Bears are at one and three as of this right here. Pick four, we have the Las Vegas Raiders. I just, they have, and the AFC especially, has some just some tough schedules down the stretch. The Raiders, it was hard to find them wins. We found them a few, right? We're, we're still looking once you get to, I think even Chicago had four wins, maybe even five if I remember correctly. But really the the two teams that had under, under five, four wins were the Panthers and the Cardinals. After that, it was like four, five, six, and and maybe even seven for this 10th team. Maybe it might have still been six, but a lot of six-win teams, I think, that are going to be picking in the top 10. The Raiders, I don't think we got to six, but yeah, they, they have some major issues they're going to have to correct. I don't know what a finish of the fourth overall pick does for GM, does for head coach Josh McDaniels, does for Jimmy Garoppolo, right? There's a lot of moving pieces there. Will they actually trade away Devontae Adams? That could even net them a higher pick than four, right? Like he matters that much. Uh, we'll see. Uh, pick five, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's it, it's clear that the Denver Broncos don't have it this year. Uh, Sean Payton could very well just say, ah, it's everybody else's fault, not mine. Fire everyone. Get rid of everybody. Let's start this up my way. And I think that that we could see that happen. We really could. We really could. That 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 I think probably is going to happen for the Denver Broncos pick six we have the New York Giants off of a off of a playoff berth right beating the Vikings the 13-4 Vikings in the playoffs getting to the final eight teams last year uh obviously they got beat heavily by the Eagles like that was that was coming uh pretty much saw that it was like oh it's a miracle run for the Giants they beat the team that that won a lot of close games and now they played a really quality opponent got smoked Hasn't been a good year for them. Tyrod Tyrod Taylor has looked better running this offense than Daniel Jones. They have they have big things to fix. Will quarterback be one of them? Right, Daniel Jones' contract can be pretty much gotten out of with no issues after twenty twenty four. So that gets interesting there. Then we have the Washington Commanders at seven. I just think like they're solid contending but they're going to lose a lot of close games just because they have an experience at QB offensive line is, is okay. Not very good. Their defensive line. Obviously they have questions on the edge. If, if both guys are going to stay or not, uh, 
I think they're just like meh at a lot of spots. They're not like bad at any really position where you go, oh, they, they just stink here. Right, they're young at safety because of uh, Quan Martin from Illinois coming in and playing snaps. Right, the secondary is pretty young as well. I just don't think they're like genuinely like terrible, but they just don't have like they don't have a lot of it factors to go win some games even in an NFC. So they had the seventh pick. The eighth pick is Tennessee Titans, and this obviously stems from the fact that Tannehill right is hurt. They, they're selling, clearly. So, you know, Bayard is is gone, right? Maybe DeAndre Hopkins gets moved now. Derrick Henry could get moved. If all that happens, there's so much youth on the team where it's like, ah, even if Tannehill comes back, they're just not going to win a lot of games. And at that point, they're going to start turning to Willis and or Levis to play QB to see what they have there. This could be way higher than eight. This could be top five for Tennessee, and it wouldn't shock me one bit. They have a lot of issues they have to correct. But I will say for those you know, who track the young players, track the rookies, right, track the draft, even when they go into the NFL for three seasons or so, Ty J. Spears could be a, could be a really nice second half for him. I, I'm really excited to see how he does if, if Henry is, in fact, traded. Pick nine is your Green Bay Packers, folks. Uh, I think I had them finishing 6-11 and 11 or 7-10. and 10. I don't remember which. Uh, I, I didn't write records down. I really wasn't concerned about that. I was trying to get everything set up for the pod. So that was just one thing I didn't want to type in. So they get pick nine. I believe they currently sit at uh, pick eight at the moment. So down one spot, that's okay. I, I think that they – it just depends. Like I said, they're they're in a week – NFC where you go oh they could beat the Giants you know they could maybe beat the Buccaneers at home potentially they they beat Carolina right Rams are okay Vikings are okay but they're both home games there's a lot of toss-ups for them but they haven't been very good at winning those toss-up games to this point so top 10 pick feels more likely than pushing playoffs at this point and then pick 10 really because I think that this is going to help them and it's ultimately going to be beneficial right they lose Anthony Richardson that's the Indianapolis Colts at 10 just missing that those the, the top 10 the Patriots were at 11 they could easily be in the top 10 the Saints at 12 they have the defense that can help them win a few games which is why I think they'll push themselves out of the top 10 plus their division stinks right their division has the number one overall pick team in there right and, and then they have a, a lot of middling teams where they could win a lot of toss-up games as well so there you go the top 12 but we're going to go just go through the top 10 and mock draft here really quickly so for the first one, we're not going to trade anything. We're just going to see like how things would go if, in fact, everybody's stuck. And then we'll start moving around because I have ideas for teams that probably would move up. So let's start this. So the Bears, if they're picking one, right, I think there's a chance that you move Justin Fields. That could be to, I, I don't imagine it'll be to a division rival like Minnesota there's a chance it could be somebody like Tampa Bay. There's a chance it's like Atlanta, even if they make the playoffs, which I actually had them doing. So there's there's that possibility. Would they trade him to Arizona? That would be kind of wild. Uh, I think it's just more likely he sticks in the NFC unless there's a team that really, really wants the skill set in the AFC. I don't imagine the Jets are going to come calling, right? It just it the AFC feels really set at QB. And it's like, yeah, obviously Chiefs, Dolphins, Ravens, Jags, Steelers, Bills, and Bengals, all the teams I had in the playoffs, they're set, right? Kenny Pickett, I mean, you could argue, but like Pittsburgh, they're committed. They they if they if they keep making the playoffs, like I project they will, because their schedule's kind of easy the rest of the way. Like they're just gonna stick with it. They're not they're not like going to be seeking you know they're they're not like the the Niners right where they go oh we got Jimmy let's try a swing for the fences they won't do that Texans have their guy they're just missing the playoffs in my opinion the Jets have Rodgers and Wilson there Herbert's there for the Chargers right but then it gets interesting with maybe the Patriots or the Titans but the Titans have invested so much in QB already like if you're up there why bother getting a guy right who's played now three seasons why not just get one that's going to have you're going to have five seasons of control so. I feel like the 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 Justin Fields trade market's not going to be very big. I think that, like, legitimately, it's I think a few teams. So 
We'll say he gets moved. The Bears pick at one. Let's go Caleb Williams. Right? I think that there it's it's going to be interesting, right? Obviously, Drake May is right there, I think, with Caleb Williams. I have Williams slightly ahead of May at this point. But I think it's it's really close. Um and that was that was obviously said. I, I said it before the season as well. I believe I talked about it on, on Clayton's one of Clayton's live shows turned into pods as well where it was like uh he was asking like uh, is caleb williams like bona fide qb1 i was like uh, maybe not like it's it's not set in stone right things change so i think williams and mayor in, in a near dead heat but i think williams creation capabilities and, and arm talent and stuff out of structure just teach him to play within structure he throws accurate balls all over the place so it, it shouldn't be you know uh, something where oh you know you're just he, he, he can't throw an accurate ball in structure so this is a problem right he has to be outside of it no, he, he just you just have to teach, and I think that includes, right, if the Bears are picking one and three, I think that includes firing your OC and figuring out, you know, let's find a young coach in here who can who can help us along the way, right? I, I think that that is, is very doable for them. They'll find a young coach, a young offensive mind who can, who can really put this thing together for them. Arizona at two, right? We're going to stick with the idea that Kyler Murray is staying there. I just don't know. That's the other thing. Like, big contract, where is he going to go? I'm not sure. Like, would I take Drake May for the Cardinals? Yeah, I, I would. I just don't know that they will. So we'll give them Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Bonafide wide receiver one. Attention to detail, crafty route runner, great hand usage in the stem, right? Obviously, his ability to catch point to elevate, win through contact, great body control, great sideline awareness, right? And and just just incredibly quick incredibly efficient route running and release is just exceptional right he's not overly explosive but he isn't slow so i think the cardinals then give murray marvin harrison jr right they could bring back marquise brown if they wanted to they don't have to but i think it gives you you know somebody there in arizona where okay we get a bona fide receiver one this is really high for a receiver to go number two but they also pick in this at least right again not set in stone i I can't emphasize that enough, but in this in this scenario, the way I finished the the predictions, they're picking 16th as well because of the Houston uh, Texans, right, from last year's trade for Will Anderson. There's a lot of tackles in this class. If one gets to them at, at, at 16, they could go that route as well. Maybe they still like Humphreys, right, to pair with Paris Johnson, and they feel good there. They can look interior as well later in the draft, so... They, they can afford to take Harrison at, at two if they want. So that leaves the Bears at three. This is where, again, you have Caleb Williams. I You're not messing around here. This is Olu Fashanu from Penn State. Uh, phenomenal pass protector, super young player still. I think he had probably one of his worst games this past week against Ohio State and JT Tuimoloau. And, you know, I, I still young, still growing, but just a, a dominant pass protector. Does he offer a whole lot in the run game? Not really, but you're back there to protect Caleb Williams, right? Olufashanu and Darnell Wright protecting Caleb Williams sounds excellent for Chicago. Raiders at four. Well, this is this is the opportunity right here. Uh, they will absolutely take this chance uh, in Drake May. I just don't like the Raiders. They could take tackle. Maybe they do. If let's say let's go with McDaniel's survives right, and and they're still trying to tweak some things. Maybe the GM is the one that gets replaced. Let's give them Joe Alt here. Uh, let's go tackle right, and now we've seen it right. Packers fans two tackles off the board in four picks. So we gave the the Raiders Joe Alt. They could go QB though, right and. It's just it's something where like they have to get better at the bookends, right? They have Colton Miller who's fine, but like across the board is not very good. Joe Alt's really, really excellent player in both phases of the game. Still a little bit of like I think balance and overextending sometimes in pass protection. He's a little bit of a slow loser in pass protection, which is good. He's not a super brick wall. He's tall where it, it it's harder for him to sink and really play flexible with with some knee bend, but he does a good job of it for somebody who's 6'8". So we'll go there for the Raiders. Alton Miller protecting Jimmy G. That, of course, gives the Broncos Drake May at five. Like I said, it, when in, in real 
real life, the way this goes is that the Cardinals will probably trade out of two if Williams is the first pick and somebody will come up and get him. But we'll give the Broncos Drake May for this one, right? Obviously, Drake May, exceptional touch placement on the football, right? Really good post-snap processor. I think the one drawback for Drake May is what pressure does to him. I think pressure gets pressure in his face off the edge it, it brings out the worst in him in terms of taking sacks it brings out you know the the propensity to want to make something happen even as guys are dragging you down even as guys are in your face where it leads to some turnover worthy plays and interceptions that's the one I think area where he must improve otherwise though I, I deep ball is really good like I said great touch and I think really good processor that that somebody like Sean Payton will like at quarterback the Giants at six, it gets really interesting here now because in theory, right, you look at this and you go, well, I mean, Evan Neal's not played well at all through two seasons. Do you still believe in him to this point? Like some people are still third-year bloomers. That's That still happens, right? The issue is that it's been it's been really, really bad for Evan Neal to this point. And yeah, I mean, it, it was a really heralded class for the Giants when they got Thibodeau and Neal. Like, Thibodeau's pressure rate is not very good right now either. Like, this is almost looking like a big flop with two top seven picks, and that's tough to see. So, in theory, I think you could go any one of these directions, okay? I think J.C. Latham comes into play, tackle out of Bama right here. I also think either like Chop Robinson, Jared Verse, Laia Tulatu all come in play here as well. But I think if they if they stay patient, they're going to go get themselves Malik Neighbors, wide receiver LSU here at six. I think that great size, great acceleration, great hands, great tracking of the football down the field. He's always a yak threat no matter where he is on the field. And he's got some, some, some good some good instincts and, and route running, route pacing, right top of route physicality as a receiver to get open too. So he's really, I think, the full package at receiver. Obviously going to get less hyped because it's in a class with Marvin Harrison Jr., but I do think he's the clear favorite for wide receiver two right now in the class. Giants need that player at receiver, even if they're still committed to Daniel Jones. So we go there, Malik Neighbors. Washington on the clock at seven. This is super strange. Again, it could be tackle again for this, right? Like, this is entirely possible that it's tackle again. Um, I'm going to lean now. I'm going to lean away from that a little bit. I'm going to go with, with Jared Verse here for them because of Montez Sweat and Chase Young as free agents coming up on the season, right? Washington, in, in theory, could trade away Young still before the deadline and get something back for that. I don't think they keep both, and I don't think they have the solution on the roster. So we'll go Jared Verse. I think Latu is a better player right now. However, Latu has serious injuries. That that was a, It was a medical retirement a few years ago. That's going to have to be checked out. I'm not sure where we stand at that point. So for this, then, Tennessee's on the clock at 8. I think that they almost have to go tackle again. They almost have to do it again. Like, this almost has to be that for them. Corner might be in play. Latu and Chop Robinson might be in play as well. But I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them actually, just so, no, 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 no. We're going to, we're going to go, oh, man, this is tough. Because it could be, it could be J.C. Latham here very easily. Marius Mims, obviously, we're still waiting on on him to return. Let's just go. Let's go. Chop Robinson for them. I have a feeling that that um, again they've invested a lot in no line, right? They got Skaronski. Maybe they they get him out to tackle. It's a deep tackle class, edge class. Maybe not as much. So they'll go Chop Robinson there. This gives Green Bay an interesting option, right? They've they've got guys like Kool Aid McKinstry on the board. They've got Cooper DeGene on the board. As crazy as it sounds, Roma Dunze is on the board for them. Like safety, it feels a little early, right? That's that's where we're kind of at. I think for me, if this is how it fell, 
through eight picks, I think it's either J.C. Latham, tackle from Bama, or it's Brock Bowers. Right, Brock Bowers at nine, crazy stuff. It, it, it could happen. However, I think Green Bay is committed to their, to their tight ends right now, so we're going to give them J.C. Latham, tackle from Bama. Excellent pass protector. Big guy. Big. Uh, great kick slide. Really strong hands. Right, and I think you could teach him to be a bully in the run game. The Packers are, though, going to look for pass protectors first. They've always done that. It's always a thing. Right, he's played some right tackle. He's going to probably be moving over to left unless they want Zach Tom over there. They could do that. Right, they could have their sort of lighter dancing bear type and Zach Tom on the left and leave Latham on the right side, and that could work out really, really well. But you got to have two quality tackles, and and Latham goes there. And I think Brock Bowers then will go to Indy here at, at 10. That there's way too talented of a player to to give a, to not give Anthony Richardson it. So there you go, top ten with that, and then we'll kind of we're gonna kind of work through this one a little bit quicker, right? Of course. So in this one, let's say Justin Fields stays, then I think it gets really interesting here, and I think one and two are both being traded in this scenario. So who's who's gonna be aggressive? Who is going to be aggressive here? I think Denver's one of them. So let's trade with Denver. To start with, Chicago trades with Denver. Denver gives up five. They're going to have to give up a two in 2025. They might even have to give up a one in 2025 to come up and do this. So we're going to give the Denver's going to give them two ones and a two. They're going to get a pair of threes back. Let's just force the trade here. So Denver doesn't completely lose out, but Chicago's going to get more ones. Uh, and this will be uh, Denver taking Caleb Williams at one, right? Sean Payton's talked a lot about Caleb Williams, how really, really good he is as a player. So we're going to go that direction there. Caleb Williams at one to Denver, right? Going to have to figure out what you're going to do with the Russell Wilson contract. You are getting third-round picks back, so you're not completely, you know, out in the cold in terms of draft capital to this point, but you're going to have to work on hitting on day two and day three. Maybe Sean Payton gets gets more heavily involved in that. We'll see. Uh, I think the Cardinals are going to trade as well, even though they're going to lose out on Marvin Harrison Jr. I think it's, I think they're going to have to do it because I think somebody's going to come up and get him. For me, this, I mean, first off, we need to talk about the possibility of it being Green Bay at nine coming all the way up to two that's going to cost a lot for sure right and there's a lot of interested parties we're gonna again this is as wild as this sounds like we're gonna do this right where i think the giants this could be the giants doing it right here right at six trading with them but but we're gonna say it's the raiders right so the raiders are gonna do this right and they're going to give up just two twos to move up. Uh, and they're going to draft Drake May at two. So now Caleb Williams and Drake May are both joining a division with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. See, again, this is mocks are fun, right? Nothing's too serious about this. But, like, again, just, just giving you an idea of what we could be looking at here. So the Bears are now three and five. The Cardinals are four. They've just shifted down a little bit. This will be if the commitment stays there this will be marvin harrison jr i think at three for the bears marvin harrison jr dj moore it gives you an incredible duo right to pair uh and give justin fields a lot of help on the boundary will that elevate him into a great quarterback i don't know but this is where the bears could do it right here so and they take marvin harrison jr at three for sure because arizona would absolutely take him at four and they can get one of the top tackles at five Right, two still available at least, right, in terms of how PFF and a lot of people see it with Fashanu and Alt, they're going to get one here. Then it gets interesting for, for Arizona, right? Like, where do you go if you're Arizona here? At this point, I think it's actually like you could go defense, but I think defense is going to be widely available to you at 16. I think you take one of the tackles. I think you take Fashanu to protect Kyler Murray. You have Fashanu and Paris Johnson. That's insane. That type of investment at tackle, DJ Humphreys then is on your way out. It then it or and what's really interesting I think about this is 
it gives you some flexibility, right? Paris Johnson has played guard. He has played guard. He's obviously a future at right tackle, but you can move him in there. Maybe Fashano stays on the left and Humphreys goes to the right, and you've got three you know, tackles out there in pass protection for Murray. I think Arizona would do that over taking Bowers at four. Seems like a high investment for a team that's got an interesting second-year player in, in Trey McBride playing tight end, and they still have obviously Ertz on the team. They could go Latu. They could go Chop. They could go Kool-Aid McKinstry, who we have yet to discuss really at all. I just think that that it's it's impossible not to want to be invested in in tackle here. So we'll do that, and we're gonna get we're gonna get spicier. Trust me. Uh, Chicago's on the on the clock at five. This is easy, right there. They could as insane as it sounds. They could go Marvis Harrison Jr. and Brock Bowers. That'd be wild. But they've they've committed to Cole Komet, so they're gonna take Joe Alt. Right, they let Braxton Jones be the swing tackle, so they get Harrison Jr. and Alt on their team. That's really, really good for them. Now, let's get let's get a little wilder here. We're not going to give the Giants a quarterback. What we're going to do is have... No, no, we're going to give the Giants a QB. We're going to give the Giants a QB. And I think because it's a... It's a it's an offense where athleticism and, and, and Dable wants to get the QB running around. Yeah, we're gonna go get JJ McCarthy, as crazy as it sounds, out of Michigan here at six for for the Giants. Uh who's been playing better in structure. He's, you know, I think more confident and committed with with first read throws, anticipation, accuracy in like the ten to twenty area has been exceptional. He's still gotta prove that he's playing against the best, right? Penn State, Ohio State still. So we're, we're going to give him there, though, because I think QB is right with the amount of talent you have, like McCarthy and Penix especially. I think they're going to come off the board, right? I think they're going to come off the board day one. Washington, I think with two tackles off the board, three quarterbacks, and a receiver, they're either going to go Bowers or they're going to go like Chop Robinson or Verse. Let's, let's just give them, um, for fun, let's give them, let's give them Latu because I think he's the most talented. Uh, Latu and like Chase Young would be absolutely insane as, as a combo. We're going to give the Tennessee Titans. I think we're going to give them Brock Bowers. I, I'm pretty sure we're going to give Tennessee Brock Bowers, even though they like Chigo Conquo. No, you know what? No, no, we're not going to give him Brock Bowers. We're going to give Tennessee Malik Neighbors, uh, which then um, I think gives like Green Bay. Obviously, Latham could be in play. Cooper DeGene could be in play. But I think this is like a spot where the Packers might trade out. Uh, but we'll give them, um, we'll give Green Bay. Ooh. I mean, J.C. Latham's probably the selection still um, there. But I think obviously Brock Bowers, you can talk it into it for sure. And this is where I think now the intrigue really starts. Like the Colts could be moving back. Like Vikings maybe come up for Michael Penix. Patriots maybe just flip one pick to get Michael Penix on their team. Penix is going to probably be a first-round pick uh, just because he's such a precise passer. So Indy stays here, though, and they select uh, Brock Bowers probably. So they could select Kool-Aid, but I, I do think that's, that's where we're looking right now. So uh, there you go, top 10. We'll come back, and then we've got a few things left to discuss on the show, but let's take a break here, and then we'll finish up uh, everything that I have for you in the second half. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, guys, back here. And it's always draft season. So I, I want to really quick talk about the top 10 prospects because we really didn't talk about it. We went through some scenarios there with the top 10 and how it could look. But I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to give you NFL mock draft databases top 10 really quick because I'm not going to completely reveal my top 10 necessarily. I'll give some hints as to what it's probably going to look like. But I still have a couple players in that 10 to 15 area in the a consensus boards right now to get to to make sure that they're not jumping up into the top 10. Uh, but what the NFL mock draft database, which is aggregating every mock draft and every big board, and it really puts basically all of that data into making a consensus big board. So Caleb Williams, they have it one, of course, USC, Marvin Harrison Jr. two, Drake May three, Brock Bowers four, Olu Fashanu five. That top five has been pretty consistent. Uh, the next two, obviously, are on this board are defenders. Jared Verse has long been edge one in the class. Many thought he would come out last year. That was that was always a possibility with him. And then Kool-Aid McKinstry, corner from Alabama, tall, great length, arm length for the position to challenge guys in press coverage, to challenge them throughout the stem incredibly fluid hips right change of direction skills are excellent he's got the speed to to handle things down the field i think he's got great instincts and great catch point instincts he's got like he had something like 15 pass breakups last year and i, I don't remember what the number is exactly but if you listen to the show back in august you would know the exact number but he's feisty at the catch point and he's productive at the catch point then it goes back to offense for one more. Joe Alt, obviously, we've talked about him. Great run blocker, great pass blocker. He, he's proven that over multiple seasons now for Notre Dame. And then we have Dallas Turner at nine, edge rusher from Alabama, who, you know, I think Ryan covered him a little bit as well. I went through his film a little bit too and talked about him, where he's just, you know, in that mold of more like 240 to 245, where he's truly like a sometimes hand in the dirt sometimes not rusher where it's it's a lot of speed and explosion converted into power he's expanded the repertoire he looks a lot better this year he has somewhere in the 30s uh in terms of pressures might be like 38 pressures and it might be leading the the country this year his teammate chris braswell also has i think 30 30 or 31 pressures as well but like dallas turner looks a lot better this year the hype wasn't really warranted other than like ah this guy's a name you need to watch for Back in May, he has proven it. He has earned that nine spot, at least in the you know in the consensus. That's fine. And then Jerzon Newton, defensive lineman, Illinois, is 10. He's had two spectacular games this year for Illinois. He was obviously a big-time pressure guy, right? One gapper, pass-rushing defensive tackle with a ton of juice, a lot of moves, powerful hands, quicks, all of that to create pressure at a high level. And his, his best two games this year have been arguably against the best two opponents Illinois has played Penn State and Wisconsin especially in terms of offensive line talent that they consistently churn out he had seven pressures against Penn State and eight pressures against Wisconsin as a defensive tackle like there you go so those are the top 10 currently uh if you look just outside the top 10 Malik Neighbors and Keon Coleman are both in the top 15 at receiver right neighbors from LSU we mentioned him Keon Coleman from Florida State he transferred from Michigan State He's had a big year. I think he's kind of expanded his game into three phases, which is good. Latu Latu's in that top 15, right? UCLA, right? He's got a ton of pressures the last two seasons. J.C. Latham is in that top 15, as is Amika Ibuka, who's been hurt a little bit for Ohio State. Obviously gets overshadowed by Harrison, but he's a really, really good player in his own right. So there's a lot of talent at the top. It, it feels offensive heavy to this point. I will say I think my top four is going to be the same top four as this consensus board but i will have harrison jr at one and bowers at two and then williams and may will be three four Bashanu probably gets the fifth slot we'll see uh there is a tackle or two i want to check out first and make sure that they're below him but i do think he's going to be the top just a lot of still potential in such a young player 
I do think Latu is going to be in my top 10. I just don't like in terms of performance, right? Medicals, obviously, if you're a decision maker, there's a lot on the line with picking Latu. But I we have to go up because we don't have all that until we get, you know, combine and rechecks and all that. Based on performance right now, Latu ahead of both Turner and Verse for me in terms of edge players. He's been exceptional. I think Newton and McKinstry will probably also likely make my top 10. Uh, there you go. I don't think Turner will. I don't think Verse will, but they're right outside of it. I think there will be tackles and potentially, you know, another receiver that might sneak their way in there. Uh, but yeah, so that's where I kind of see the top 10 at this point. I think the, the consensus is pretty good. Chop Robinson's played well. He could move himself up. So there are kind of four edge rushers that are in the mix. Roma Dunze from, from Washington, the receiver, really, really good. Obviously, Cooper DeGene's right in that mix. Cam Kinchins from Miami and Kalen King are both in the consensus top 20 right now. King has not had a good year at all. Uh, if he finds his way in between what he did in 22 versus 23, I think you're looking at a more fringe first-round player than a top-10 player, personally. Kinchins has been a little bit more inconsistent. He's coming off an, in an injury, though, so we'll see how he does the rest of the season. They got a game against Virginia. Maybe you want to check that out for Packers fans who are like, ah, safety's important, right? Check him out for sure. Um but yeah, I think that's where the top 10 kind of ends. I think there's obviously so many players we can talk about and we will talk about very, very soon. But I want to get to a few other things quick before we get out of here and uh, you guys enjoy your Friday. I want to I want to bring this up before we get to prospects to watch this week. Uh, the Packers. I want to talk about the Packers quick and just philosophy a little bit. I think right now you're seeing something that might be might have been a little more inevitable than than we thought uh you know just a few years ago right when the packers have have scouted offensive line and they've they've got some pretty good hits i think to this point right i i know that john runyon jr has not been has not been consistent this year he's had flashes right mostly as a pass blocker sometimes as a run blocker Right, but you've got to remember, this is like a day three pick that, that started a lot of games in his first contract for a team, which I think is impressive. So, you know, you look at how good he's been as a pass blocker and how much maybe Rodgers has helped him out a little bit in, in alleviating some pressures that, that would have maybe been assigned to him. But, like, ultimately, I think, like, Runyon's been a pretty decent hit for a day three player, right? Like, it's maybe you could say it isn't a hit, but, like, I just day three players who start a lot of games. It's hard for me to say that's a that's a miss, right? Day three, there's just so many day three players who get cut after a season, or maybe don't even like never play. They might not escape a practice squad. Like that, that happens a lot. So, for him, for Zach Tom, for Rashid Walker, all these guys to get snaps and start games, that's really impressive, and it's it's a it's a really strong. I think you know, really strong. It's it, it it puts Goody in favor and, and the scouting. Uh, group he has in favor in terms of scouting offensive line elton jenkins was obviously i think a hit right he hasn't played to his performance this season right he hasn't and you're one of this new contract for him but i think you know he's had extremely good flashes at left tackle and he's been kind of uh a guy that that's really been a glue guy for that offensive line i think he's a hit right and so Josh Myers, it's been, you know, he's been more one of the guys who gets, you know, a, a big brunt of the criticism, right? Snapping the football, you know, not not necessarily always being involved in setting protections. He's just it's 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 sometimes there, sometimes not. And and him being a second round pick and being drafted ahead of Creed Humphrey uh is a tough scene. I get why the Packers maybe didn't want to go the Humphrey route with the left-handed snapper, and they believed in the the zone flashes in terms of run blocking that that Meyer showed at times at Ohio State. So, you know, it's I from a from a just straight up like okay, who's a better prospect? Uh, you can go on my Twitter if you want to and go find rankings. I promise it's it's in there. It's a it's a nice little Excel ranking sheet. You will see Creed Humphrey for me got a, a round one grade and Meyer's got like a two or late two. So. 
Humphrey was a better prospect, clearly, and it was a first-round prospect that didn't go in the first for some reason. I don't understand why Linderbaum went in the first. I don't get why Humphrey didn't. It didn't make a lot of sense. Teams getting turned off by a left-handed snapper is just the kind of stuff that is just weird and just like just silly stuff that that might that really probably shouldn't matter a ton. But alas, there you go, right? So they they get Myers right, and what do what do we see in common with a lot of the players the Packers draft along the offensive line? And they're really good pass blockers, and it made a ton of sense for them to get those type of players where they go, yes, Rogers is going to be carrying the load, right? Like. Even early downs, right? We're going to get into some some areas where we need Rodgers to make plays. He wants to scramble around. We need to have guys who can sustain blocks and pass protection for four, five, six seconds at times to let Rodgers do his thing. That philosophy worked with Rodgers, right? It worked. It didn't yield a title. It's hard to win. The issue now is even leading back to last season. There were times where this offense looked good running the football. Right, the Buffalo game, if you watch the Buffalo game, and I know it maybe felt like that Buffalo game, they were just out of reach most of that game on Sunday night. They ran it extremely well. They ran it extremely well. They ran it really well against Dallas last year, right? Again, were those two good run defenses? Maybe not. But they had a lot of talent. And to me, I think this offense should be revolving a lot around run game and play action. There's been so much empty this year because the Packers cannot, for the life of them, generate push in the run game. It's a philosophy issue. I don't know if everything here should be on LaFleur. Like, play calling has been a struggle at times, right? I know everybody was really mad about the screenplay against the Raiders, right, to Taylor, right, on a third and long. However, they did actually do exactly that against the Saints to Dylan, and guys just blocked. Dylan caught the ball and they got a first down. It sounds crazy, but if Taylor catches the ball, who knows? If we're not, ta- we might not be talking about it, right? So I think there's, I think Lafleur wants to be diverse in the run game. He showed that against Chicago, right? The problem is it was Chicago, so the offensive line and it had and they had Bakhtiari in that game, right? That that matters as well. But this this band of players they have at offensive line have been better pass blockers. They've been better setting and absorbing contact than they are initiators and people movers. That's just the truth. Even in zone, you need to be able to move guys around. Right? Again, it's a lot of 90 and 90 work. It's a lot of second level work. It's a lot of seal work, right, with reach blocks. So you got to have quick guys who can do it. But at some point, right, you can still run gap scheme stuff. You can run power. You can run counter with Aaron Jones, with A.J. Dillon. Like, you can run that kind of stuff with them, right? You can run duo. But you have to be you have to be really, really good up front. And I think that it's nice that, that Goody has been able to find some day three picks at, at, at offensive line who have panned out pretty well and started a lot of games. But my issue is, is I think you need to start looking for the elite players who can move people and be dominant pass protectors. It's been a long time since the Packers went offensive line in the first round. Heck, it's been a while, even I think if you look at like the, their draft history, where they've gone offensive line on day two, right? I know that they got Sean Ryan, right? That's That's one, and obviously Elton Jenkins. But if you look way further back, Right, and you get really back into the the days of Thompson where they were really rolling, right? And and you look at yeah, Sitton was a fourth round pick, Lang was a fourth round pick, but they were finding guys. Balaga was a first round pick in twenty ten, right? I know Sherrod didn't work out in twenty eleven, but they were swinging at first round offensive linemen, right? They were obviously still hitting with guys like Bakhtiari and Treader, right? Evan Dietrich Smith was one, like they they found guys who could do it. Right, they found a center in Lindsley in the fifth round. I just feel like maybe Goody kind of took that and was like, okay, well, you know, you can find guys in the, in the middle rounds, and he's done an excellent job with that, but he hasn't yet. And I guess Myers was a day two pick, but it seems like all the day two picks have been interior guys. They haven't gone after the tackles. They haven't gone after the elite tackles in, in drafts. Maybe they haven't liked a lot of them, and that's fine. But I think at some point, Goody really has to go after an offensive tackle that's elite, that has a lot going well for them, 
right, as a prospect. And this could, again, I'm talking about be the Joe Alt draft for them. This could be the the J.C. Latham draft for them, the Amarius Mims draft for them. They go, okay, we got to get a guy. We're, we're, we're kind of sick of this. We need to have a, a multifaceted, you know, well-rounded player at tackle and change the philosophy. Maybe the guards need to be bulkier. Maybe we got to get after some guys. Maybe a Cooper Beebe makes sense. Maybe a Tate Ratledge, a Zach Zinter. Maybe these guys make sense more. Now, they, they needed a changing of the guard at guard, right? And, and center, you know, there's still a lot of questions there. Like, what if what if Tom is the center next year? I know they keep reiterating that Myers is the guy. Myers is the guy. Okay, fine. But, like, if Zach Tom is better at center and now you have two tackle spots to potentially fill, it's nice. Oh, Josh Nyman's, like, cool swing tackle. Rasheed Walker. Kudos to him for stepping in and, and, and doing his best right now as a seventh-round pick in his second year at left tackle, one of the most important positions in the league. And and he's done a, a – it, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing, right? Being picked 249 and, and playing meaningful snaps at left tackle, right, in a year where you you're still have expectations. So at some point they're going to have to, you know, get back up there and be like, all right, Now's the time. We need to find our, our, our potentially, our Brian Belaga. Might need to find that, right? Like, we got to find, you know, a guy at the top of the draft. And we might have to change a little bit of the philosophy in, in the interior of the offensive line with a Van Pran or, you know, a Drake Nugent or something like that where it's just going to have to change a little bit. And, and maybe the offensive line needs to work on finding guys who aren't just great pass blockers. Find guys who can move people and who also have the quicks. That's going to lead you to higher picks in the draft, but it might be worth it in the long run. Okay, so prospects to watch this week. Want to get some of that uh, here for you guys. And right away, I think you have a really interesting game uh, in the early slate where Florida State plays Wake Forest. Uh Two edge rushers, I think, that matter in this game. Jared Verse has not had the greatest season uh, to this point. Like his last last year at Florida State was was better. Uh, it was it just no doubt about it. it it's very clear. Um, he's improved as a tackler, which is great. Like that was really a, a question coming into the season, but he hasn't really had that type of game. Like his game against LSU, not great. His best two games are against Southern Miss and Clemson. Not against Duke, right? Like against Graham Barton, like he didn't put up a great game. So I, I think we need to see it, right? He's got 22 pressures, two sacks this year. Uh, I would like to see him break out in a big, big way in this game. Uh, the other one to watch in this game is Jasheen Davis, uh, edge rusher from Wake Forest, 6'3, 259, who is having a good year. He, last year had 40 pressures and seven sacks. Right, he has 74.9 grade, 73.7 pass rush grade. This year he's got an 80 grade and a 79 pass rush grade. He's got 28 pressures, five sacks. The numbers probably going to be better this year. He is playing his way into some conversations where, you know, day two is is very much within reach for him. So two guys to, to watch there in that one. Uh, and then there's Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, right? Keon Coleman has really made a statement at receiver so far. And then you have Johnny Wilson who's 6'7, 240. Right, that's it's a big boy. Like they're playing Kalen Carson, who a lot of people had pre some preseason hype for. Right, he has was in some first round some first round mocks where, you know, it was, it was a uh, the idea of, you know, he he was a little bit undersized, six foot one ninety five. Right, he's not the biggest. He's a little leaner. He's got some length. The grades haven't been exceptional. The tackling has, has taken a hit this year. He's got a tough assignment. He could show up, though, in a big, big way in this game. Moving on, Big 12 offensive line watch. If you're in the early slate and you're watching early games on Saturday, this is where you want to turn to, right? Tyler Guyton, the grades have been fine, but I think he's big, fleet-footed at right tackle for Oklahoma, 6'7", 327. They're playing Kansas. It's a big game for Oklahoma, right, to stay unbeaten. Now, Houston's playing Kansas State, right? So this is where Patrick Paul, the grades are insane for this guy, right? 6'7", 315. He's allowed one pressure this season. One, one pressure. I know it's the Big 12, okay? But he's allowed one pressure all year. He's played Texas. Remember, Texas has a pretty decent front. They've got a lot of talent on the defensive line of 306 opportunities. 
He has a 96 pass blocking grade. I don't know if you're going to find a lot better grades with a guy like that. He has like 2,000 or some snaps at, at left tackle. 71.8 run blocking grade it isn't the best, but it's 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 getting better. But he's just an elite pass blocker. You know, if they're really going to stick with that philosophy, Patrick Paul's a guy. Cooper Beebe, we've talked about a lot, is a versatile guy who can play pretty much anywhere but center. Uh, the Packers might like him, but he's 6'4", 335. He's bigger than, than what they like at the interior. He's allowed just six pressures. Uh, he's got an 80 run blocking grade, 88.9 pass blocking grade this year. Love the versatility. Really like the player. Uh, PFF has him really low on their board. The consensus board, he's a little bit higher on mock draft database. I really like him. Then we have West Virginia playing UCF. Zach Frazier, the center, five pressures and just two hits in 199 opportunities. He's had 2,329 snaps at center, 542 at right guard. He's 6'3", 310. Potential center replacement is in this game if the Packers so choose. And then there's Tylen Grable, who's maybe a little bit more developmental. He's going to have to add weight. He's 6'7", 290, but he's only allowed five pressures all season and 218 opportunities. Uh, and he allowed 25 pressures and five sacks last season. So we got Big 12, offensive line watch early. Definitely take a look at all of these guys if you're if you're interested in watching O line play on Saturdays. Georgia, Florida. There's not a lot of ton of matchups in this one. I wanted to see Princey Princely Unman Malane, six five two fifty four edge rusher with thirty two pressures, three sacks this year, and a ninety point six pass rush grade. He had twenty seven pressures and six sacks last season. I wanted to see him go against Marius Mims. Not sure if Marius Mims is going to play in this game. It's still up in the air. Probably going to see him next week, not this week. So Xavier Truss will probably play tackle. And then there's some Georgia defenders to pay attention to, right? Javon Bullard at safety. He kind of plays the star role, but plays some safety, right? The potential nickel and safety that the Packers, you know, didn't want to draft in branch. Maybe it's maybe it's Bullard. Uh, Nazir Stackhouse, he's probably going to be entering this draft. He's 6'3", 320 along the defensive line. He just really hasn't impacted a lot of games. Uh, he just really isn't impacting a ton uh, in terms of performance. You know, linebackers, uh, Smile Munden, and then Jamin Dumas Johnson. Uh, Johnson's, I believe, the bigger one at 245, and Munden's 225, so two different types of linebackers there, but both are intriguing in this class. Then you have BYU Texas. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Brooks. Like, I... I I don't want to spoil a ton, but the two running backs I'm going to talk about this week might be RB1 and 2 in the class right now. They're just, they've been exceptional this year. So Jonathan Brooks from Texas, six foot 207. Uh, in 2022, he just had 30 carries for 197 yards. Breakaway run percentage of 54.3% and then 126.7 elusive rating. And you're like, ah, oh, that's not a really a big, a big sample size, Jake. Can you give us a little bit more of a sample size? Yeah, sure, 2023 is giving you the sample size. He's got an 89.3 rushing grade. He's 128 for 821 and 6 this year. And in 128 carries, the breakaway run percentage has only gone down to 44.9%. The elusive rating is 155.2, 4.05 yards after contact per attempt. He's carrying he's carrying the tradition on. Bijan Robinson and uh, Roshan Johnson lead for the draft. Jonathan Brooks says, I will take it from here at Texas, and he has definitely done that to this point. In this game, like I said, you know, Patrick Paul against Texas is something to watch last week if you wanted if you want to do that. Kingsley Suamataya this week for BYU, 6'6, 315. He's allowed eight pressures this year. Stark difference in run blocking and pass blocking grades. It's uh 36 points. Uh 84.2 pass blocking grade, 48.8. My goodness, run blocking grade. But he's playing the Texas defensive line, so it's 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 a good test for him. Uh if the Packers were to ever upgrade at nose tackle, Tavondre Sweat might be that dude. Uh 6'4, He's got 12 pressures, a sack, and 15 stops this year. Run defense grade is 86. Pass rush grade is 87 as a 362 pound player. He's impressive, people. He re he really is impressive uh, when you watch him. Oregon and Utah, right? This is Bo Nix against a quality defense uh, that features guys like Jonah Ellis, who's been doing well off the edge. Cole Bishop is more of a box safety. And, you know, he's got some guys that obviously that are going to help him out in this game. Uh, Jonah Ellis versus Ajani, Ajani Cornelius. 
Uh, the tackle for Oregon is maybe a matchup to watch in this one. But Troy Franklin, right, he's like 6'3", 187. Uh, receiver, he's got 44 for 7, 68, and 8. His best year uh, so far. He's going to cross that 1,000-yard mark. And then there's Bucky Irving at running back, who when I studied him in the summer and watched last year's Oregon film, I'm like, man, this guy just like, you can't bring him down. First guy, especially in space where he gets to the edge, right? He's getting out, you know, against corners, maybe weak side linebackers, overhang players, and he's like just making a miss, right? He's got exceptional burst, great hands as a receiver. But it's like even if he was just a check down guy, right, for Knicks last season, it was like, yep, no, this first defender, he's not, he's not bringing him down. And it's continued, right? And it's like, okay, at 5'10", 185, can you carry the load? He, he had a 93.4 rushing grade last year, by the way, uh, and a 172 elusive rating last year. That elusive rating completely tracks after watching pretty much every Oregon game. This year, he's carrying the load. 157 carries this year. 1,064 yards, five touchdowns. Or no, that was last year, my bad. Uh, for 6.8 yards per attempt. Now, this year, Sorry, 2023, the elusive rating is actually up. It's 173. Uh, he's carried 88 times for 667 yards and seven touchdowns, 4.4 yards after contact per attempt. He's running well between the tackles. He did that against Washington uh, and has a 45.1 breakaway run percentage. Superb player. If you were to bring both Brooks and Irving onto your team, if you needed a lot of help at running back, boy, that's a that's a heck of a duo, Okay. They've they've both been exceptional. Um, so the other the other matchup kind of watching Oregon Utah, uh, you've got Brandon Dorless and Jordan Birch, two guys where Dorless, I don't know he weighs anywhere from I, I've seen two seventy eight. I don't know if that's verified. It might be uh, to two ninety. It feels like he's closer to two eighty six three. He's kind of a tweener, right? He's got twenty three pressures, three sacks this year. He's improved his tackling, especially when he's rushing and playing run defense this year. And then there's Jordan Birch, uh, you know, who is, is an exciting edge rusher. Uh, he has, I believe, he having his best season as well as a college player. I'll just double check that. He's 6'6", 290, at least listed. Uh, he is not having his best graded season. Last year he had 40 pressures for South Carolina. I couldn't remember the transfer school, but he had in two sacks. He does have three sacks, just 12 pressures this year. We'll see. He's in year four. He could come back for another. But, again, against um, right tackle for Utah uh, is Sataoa Laumea, 6'4", 3'11". He has allowed 14 pressures this year. Not sure I'm totally interested there. I know Jim Nagy has highlighted him, though, as well. Tennessee, Kentucky. There are some linemen to watch, maybe Cooper Mays at center for Tennessee, right? Eli Cox, Marques Cox uh, for Kentucky, both at tackle and center as well. They're playing okay this year. Um, what I really want to see is, is Jalen Wright from Tennessee. He's a junior. He's 5'11", 210. He's averaging 6.5 yards per attempt, but he has been clocked at 23.6 miles per hour. I believe that would be leading the NFL uh, this year in terms of the tracking ahead of HN, ahead of Hill. Wow. So, you know, big play threat potential right there. He's somebody maybe to circle uh, if he just late declares, right? There's been a lot of underwhelming running back performances this year. Hasn't been the best for Blake Corum, though. I still I still opine that, that it's been pretty good. Uh, Donovan Edwards has not broken out. Braylon Allen's been a little bit shaky. Raheem Sanders has not been good. So, you know, a lot of the favorites at running back, if you look at, like, the consensus big board right now, and I'm going to pull up the running back position, right? That's the other one. Travion Henderson, he's been he's been injured as well, right? Like, so Henderson hasn't been up to snuff. Allen really hasn't. Sanders, Edwards, right? It's more of, like, looking like, okay, Quorum's been fine. Trey Benson's taken a little bit of a step. He might be in that RB1 conversation. Then it's, like, the guys I mentioned, Brooks and Irving, Marshawn Lloyd from USC, Audric Estime from Notre Dame, Ray Davis from Kentucky, Bayan Williams from Ohio State will probably be entering the draft, period. Uh, and maybe Roman Hemby from Maryland. But, like, you know, if if this guy from Tennessee, if he wants to maybe just test the waters, Ashton Jonte has been good from Boise State as well, to highlight a name uh, just out there. But, like, you know, if he breaks out for a big game, two, three big games down the stretch here, 
look out like that speed again Devin a chain you know he goes in the third round jameer gibbs goes at 12 just saying like just just be careful just just pay attention to that now i need to watch the film on him because he had 11 carries for 22 yards against bama so it was it was against top competition maybe uh maybe we'll, we'll pump the brakes on him but 23.6 clock time is nuts so there you go there uh ohio state wisconsin's a, a headline game at night uh, on nbc i think the biggest thing to watch in this one is the trenches i mean you could go watch marvin harrison jr ball he probably will uh but i do think it'll be interesting to see how like uh jt tui Moloau, michael hall jr tyleek williams jack sawyer against guys like jack nelson and tanner bortoloni bortolini uh on the offensive line for wisconsin bortolini's an interior player jack nelson plays tackle so it'd be interesting to see how that how that matchup shakes out and then of course braylon allen running behind that line can he be effective against this ohio state defense very interested to see that tommy eichenberg another name to watch at linebacker so that's a game for for a lot of trench play. I think that would be pretty exciting to watch. And then Colorado UCLA, right? I, I Shitter Sanders, if he declares, I think can be QB three. Xavier Weaver's interesting. Six one one eighty had a big year at at, U, at South Florida in twenty twenty one. Might have his best statistical year this season. He's got fifty for six thirty one and four touchdowns. He's only six one one eighty. But Colorado can Shitter Sanders navigate the uh, the pressures law firm of latu latu and gabriel murphy we'll see that should be fun and then late night if you want two more offensive linemen to watch right taliesa fuaga if you've listened to other draft pods you've you've heard other pronunciations uh oregon state's website has the pronunciation there so yeah it's i see tall e s uh fuaga from oregon state and then jordan morgan from arizona same game two players you could watch there so that's going to do it for this one. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. A little preview, kind of top 10-ish stuff going on draft-wise. This will be good. Like I said, big board and mock draft will be out next week to kick off November on the Substack. You need to follow me at Jake NFL Draft to find that. And, yeah, I, I'm excited. I think we're going to get back to Monday, Friday, hopefully here very soon. We'll get back to studs of the week. That was fun to go through. And we'll see where it takes us from there. Uh, always down for suggestions for the pod from you guys. If you find me at Jake NFL Draft for that, you can maybe talk to uh, Ryan on the Patreon if that's something as well, or find me on the on the Facebook page too. So I'll, I, I interact with y'all on there as well. So yeah, I'm excited for draft season. It's going to be a lot of fun as always, uh, but it's always draft season for me, of course. Uh, enjoy your Friday. We will see you guys. Bye-bye.